So, Stephen O'Donnell is with us in studio, one of the key figures in Dundalk's recent dominance of the League of Ireland, forced into early retirement at the age of just 32. Soon to be 33, though. I'm 33 next week, yeah. Thanks for coming in. No problem. So, six League of Ireland titles, four of them over the past five years with Dundalk, four FAI Cups, three. four medals. Three? Three FAI Cups, yeah. Done your research there, Nathan. Brilliantly, brilliantly well. Do you get a medal <laughs> for this four, year? I'll Do take you get four. a medal for this year? I'll take a medal, yeah. Did you, did you they get won't a medal? Oh no, the grandchildren won't know him 40 odd years. Oh, down, you're only married, like. <laughs> yeah. Wow. A uh, couple of League Cups, represented Ireland underage level all the way up to under 21s, played for 23s. Yeah, the League of Ireland, uh, League of Ireland 23s, League of Ireland Select, I think it was. You did all right. Done grand, yeah. Could have been better, could have been better, but done all right. No, no real regrets. You missed out on pretty much all of last season in the end. Broke your leg against Waterford mm-hmm. back in May. Got, was it the last game of the season you got on? Yeah, I got uh, played against Bowes last game of the season. Kind of, my goal was to try and maybe outside chance of getting back for the cup final if we we kept progressing mm-hmm. in the cup final. So um, didn't make the squad for the cup. Didn't final. make the squad, no. So obviously, I mean, Bowes' performance wasn't too hot, but uh, just happy basically to the way it's ended now and end out in the pitch, you know, without instead of sort of bowing out without getting back on the pitch after breaking the leg. So I'm happy enough that so I got on the pitch. After getting back, why are you retiring? Um, just a culmination of a lot, a lot of things. I think um, obviously the body's taking a bit of a bashing, and uh, I just felt sort in my head last year, and um, I just felt felt now in the off season that it felt as if the the time is right. I've heard people say before, uh, when you know, you know, and I just I was happy enough. You say you're 33 next week, so like body going well, you could have had another two or three years, particularly the level you were playing at even before the injury a lot of seasoned League of Ireland watchers would say the most technically gifted player in the league the best player in the league to go from that a year ago to deciding to hang it all yeah, up well, so you don't need to move that much in the game like so you weren't maybe that reliant to mean on young legs maybe no yeah the, uh, I suppose even the year before I probably didn't have a stellar season with a lot of injuries and that as well probably since the the European um, the European run the next two seasons wasn't happy with injury-wise and I just didn't want to be hanging around the place and playing to a level that, that you know, I wasn't happy with and uh, I thought just uh, being the captain and that, um, I think your captain's got to be sort of a leader and playing to a very high level and I just uh, didn't know if I was capable of that anymore, I suppose, and I didn't know, you know, how much I could go to the well again and get myself put in the effort to get back up to the level I needed to play at. And to be honest, I could, probably couldn't see myself going through the season injury-free. And um, Had you lost the love of it? No, I hadn't lost the love of it. Um, it's just, I suppose, the injuries do sort of keep chipping away at mm. you. And it, you come back from what, it. two, three bad injuries over the last... Yeah, well, I, oh, in all, I've had around seven or eight knee operations, right. leg operations, so... Um, I think I could have played to a level, kept playing to a level, but it's what level you you play at, and I just, I just felt the time was right. Um, it's sort of been in my head the last six or seven months, and uh, you know, an opportunity kind of arose to to stay involved with Dundalk on another level, going to the other side of the fence, I suppose, and uh, I felt that was the right decision to make. Is there a psychological um, kind of, I suppose? You, you reach a level where you've been out for so long and you've had so much time to think about this that you're kind of like, over time, it's like, I just don't want to go through this again. That I don't want to be, I don't want to go through another long-term injury where I'm in the same position 
again and it's just like how has this happened to me again and I have to lift myself and maybe you didn't want to you didn't want the danger of that happening again yeah there, there's that too and it was just um, I don't know how I put it I, I was coming back from injuries and you know it takes a few weeks to get into a rhythm you know sort of as I call it when you're playing sometimes when you're in a rhythm you're kind of on autopilot you don't have to think about things during a game it's just happening mm -hmm. you're just in a flow and every time I seemed to get back to that point I'd get injured again and have to start from scratch so Pretty much, um, there was a going to come a time with the way my body was, it was going to be in the next year or two anyway, I felt that I was going to have to stop playing and as I said, an opportunity arose and I've always, like the last few years, I've, I've always wanted when I stopped playing to get, get involved on the other side of, of it in, in regards to the management side and, you know, the staff side and an opportunity arose and I just felt instead of maybe playing another season and maybe playing 10 or 15 games or whatever and being in the same situation this time next year. It's interesting so then because if Stephen Kenny were still in charge of Dundalk, in theory this wouldn't have arose and you wouldn't have had, you'd have, have had a different decision to make. Yes, yeah. So, and at his wedding, I remember Stephen Kenny got the Ireland job the following day and all the Dundalk lads didn't know that this was happening and it was... Was Stephen was, Kenny invited to your wedding? Yeah, he was coming, he was he coming, he had the hotel booked and that oh. and then uh, no he, pu he pulled out because it wasn't actually hadn't got to do with the Ireland uh, gig, he pulled out because uh, there was something, something in regards to a family matter or whatever that he couldn't get out of and uh, then luckily enough he didn't come down to the wedding <laughs> because... He, had to, he was summoned somewhere else and yeah. uh, the rest is history, I suppose. The final decision then, I, we've spoke to so many people who are tired and you go from one extreme to say someone like Stephen Reid who made the decision, I think, in a Aldi car park and finds himself sitting in his car in tears after similar having so many injury problems but still, even though he hated the battle back and the physio and all of that, still just didn't want to, to give it up. Like You've been a professional footballer since, what, 15 when you went to Arsenal and really probably since you were so good when you were 10, 11, 12, you probably even in your head then had it that you could go on and be a professional footballer. That final moment over the last few weeks when you're actually making that decision, what was that like? There was no one moment where I said, uh, uh, this is it, that's it, done. You know, I'm not really, I wouldn't be sort of the most sentimental or that. So in my own head, it was kind of done a, a good while, you know, a good while ago. So in my own head, what I wanted to happen and... Um, so there's probably been no moment, maybe now when the season starts or there'll be a particular game or, you know, that the lads are playing and, and that I'd be, I'd say, I wish I was there. But on the other hand, I'm probably kind of used to now sitting from the stands and watching the game. So there hasn't been any sort of specific moment where I've gone, that's it, you know, maybe. Has it sunk in though, like? Yeah. I'm sort of not bad like that. I don't think there will be a moment where it'll hit me, you know, and as Stephen Reid or, or whatever, you know, and in, in in tears or that. It hasn't been anything like that. So I'm more sort of excited to the looking mm. ahead and getting involved in in my uh, my role now at Dundalk rather than sort of thinking. But I think I'll uh, the one the thing I'll miss most maybe is when Europe comes around and the European games. That I think I think I'll miss that if why I, I know because. I just love playing against them type of teams, better like better teams, them testing yourself against uh, upper echelon players and just a different different style of football, I suppose as well. And um, you know you're going to you're going to proper stadiums and playing against proper t like what you people would teams people would recognise and that and players people would recognise. So it's great pitting yourself against your wits against them type of players and um, you know I know I know I'll miss that sort of, them them games. More than when I went through your role of honour there in the three FAI 
cups that you won and the six league titles. It's, it's probably not the role of honour you expected when you went to Arsenal at 15. Like, you can look back on your career as such a success, but when you compare it to your aspirations when you were 15, do you look back at it as a success? Uh, I'm happy with my career, but, uh, you know, it's probably, as you said, when you're flying over to, to London for the first time, whatever, after signing for Arsenal, uh, you wouldn't be thinking League of Ireland, League of Ireland, maybe. But I was well in tune with the League of Ireland from going to go United matches and that as a kid. But you know, I've a lot. Of luck, there's a lot of things in my career that I could have done a hell of a lot better. You know, the penny didn't drop with me till it was too late. Till very late on, uh, don't know how to, if I was a horse, the penny wouldn't have dropped till I was a six or seven year old. But that's uh, on the flat, yeah. That's on the flat, yeah. yeah so, well, what was your Arsenal team like at that time? Then your, I mean. Fabregas was there. Was Fabregas, Seb Larson was there. Um, this is only seventeen, of, is it? Uh, yeah, Fabregas was a bit younger, but he would have played obviously a little bit up when he first came, and then he was basically fast track three. I think he was nearly a regular at Arsenal when he was seventeen. Or and where were you? <coughs> so say you're in those underage teams with Cesc Fabregas, who even at that stage, I think everyone knows, is this talent that's going to go on and, and do what he's done and play five hundred games in England and win everything there is to win in world football. Where are you in comparison to him at that stage? Oh, look, it'd be silly of me to say I was right up there. Um, no, yeah, but like... You're, play, you're playing on the same level. captain yeah. in his team, weren't you? Yeah, I was captain for a spell. Um, I would see, when I, when I went over there as well, I was sort of, because I was a lefty, um, I was sort of played on the left wing because there was no other lefties, mm. so... I think anyone watching me, <laughs> watching me now would say that left wing wouldn't be a great position. But Arsenal kind of they didn't play out and out wingers. They were sort of you were coming in off the line, so that wasn't ideal to start with. But uh, you know, I was I was a decent player, I suppose, going over. And uh, I think you're always going over. You hear the stats about like such a small percentage make it, but I think it's only human nature to think that. You'll be the, you'll be the one to book the trend and make it. But um, as I said, look, I didn't give myself the best chance going over without without a doubt when I was over there. Um, How do you mean? In the sense of just maturity of realizing the opportunity you had, and you know when you see the gym on the left and you can bulk up and get yourself in much better physical condition. Uh, I'd like to think now I wouldn't walk by the two doors, which I used to do every day. What were day. you doing? Uh, just, those doors. Yeah, just going home, you know, not doing the extra. Were you encouraged though? Like, were, do you know? I suppose strength and conditioning was nowhere near as big then as it is now. I know it's that's I'm talking like an old man, but that's with the jerseys even the players were wearing in those days, they were falling off them. Do you yeah. know in the Premier League, like? Yeah, and just the food. Yes, you know, it was like a fifteen-year-old boy, I suppose, going from Galway to, to England. Uh, I wouldn't have been great on the nutrition side of it, and just looking back, look, it was, like didn't live, like obviously no drinking or that. I was never a big drinker, but just the food yet, and as I said, gym. Some people, have, some young boys have the maturity to grasp it, you know, and realise the opportunity you have. I didn't, and even when I came back for the first half of my career in Ireland, I still didn't, you know. It was only when I went to Dundalk probably that. I said, right, you're either going to make a go of it or not. And then that's when I started probably getting my body in decent shape. Because I do remember the buzz when you were 12, 13, 14, when you were going to Kennedy Cups. Like, I think everybody, Johnny probably remembers as well, in the west of Ireland, knew about you, had heard about you. You were the next big thing. And you go to Arsenal. Like, you go to one of the leading clubs in the Premier League. But the skill set that you had then and, and still have now of, like, the technical gifts that you have, the close control, the range of passing... From being this standout talent in the west of Ireland, when you went to Arsenal, like was that just a given for everybody that was there? Yeah, that's the way you were coached. Uh, I suppose Arsenal only went on and helped that. Uh, 
it's kind of the, the job of the youth team coaches and that was kind of to mirror the first team and sure when I was there the first team was uh, one of the teams obviously was the Invincibles mm. and um, so it was all very technical and that and uh, but yeah I know you'd be able to hold your own technic technically uh, with with them um, obviously it's totally different levels like you're now competing instead of competing even in Ireland teams with just players at your age from Ireland, you're now competing not just in Europe. We had Brazilians. You're competing with the whole world. You know the the scouting network for Arsenal obviously was was huge, and uh, they're bringing in players from 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 all so all parts of the world. So that could only improve you. But um, understanding the game and that Arsenal was great. The game that I think most people would like to play and like to watch. Uh, understanding positions and that to take up was. You know, and different things in mm. games, um, that's what you learn. But as I said, uh, you know, looking back, definitely could I could have done a lot more myself. Just I think it was just it wasn't a bad attitude or the, or that. Fish it was out just, of water. Yeah, it was just immaturity. You're, you're a fish out of water playing left wing though as well. If that, so I didn't realize if you played that much there because like anyone watching you, even if you were quick, you were never a left winger, really, were you? No, I was never a left winger. But um, you know what that is now maybe. Maybe like that might be the only place I could get get my position mm. to. In the sense, I forget. Like there was midfielders there, but it's funny because if it were nowadays, wingers are becoming so obsolete almost now that you'd be a lot more suited. Well, I wasn't a four. left wing as such uh, as like hugging the touchline. As I said, I come in off the line and that. But I'm not putting like that. That's nothing really got to do with. You know, it, I don't think it would have mattered what position I, right. I played. You know, uh, with with the way my mentality was in that back then, I, it wouldn't have mattered. You know, but. Uh, looking back, you know they were yeah. they were the best days of your life. You know you're rubbing shoulders and you'd be called over to training sometimes with the uh, training with Henri Burkamp, Patrick Vieira, and that's like you were on a training pitch with, with Dennis Burkamp. Yeah, yeah, on a training pitch, Dennis Burkamp. You know the make, two of you aren't great flyers. Oh, well, that that not make you from around six yards away. <laughs> but I think it was the first time he had the ball and I was near him and. It, I was just looking at it, like I, I remember thinking this is Dennis Burkamp and you know, <laughs> they just rolled it through my legs and something you were actually quite proud of, do you know? I fear of flying now. Yeah, not mad in the flying, I'm not as bad as, as Burkamp but uh, yeah, I wouldn't be mad in flying. Right. But, but looking back, as I said, uh, just didn't grasp the opportunity and, and the but coaches did say like you don't realise how lucky you are but you know when you're young you think. Yeah. Where did th those players go then from that? Like Arsenal's class of whatever two thousand. Yeah, like was. there was, um, they're like there's as you, as I said about the stats, like a lot of pe a lot of players fall by the wayside, and there's there's a, there was Justin Hoyt was there, um, a lot of sort of there like not many have gone on. Neil Kilkenny was there. He went. He moved to Birmingham then. Mm. Uh, he had a bit of a career. Played for Leeds, Preston, and I think he's playing out in Australia now. Uh, so for maybe 16 lads, like most of them just fell by the yeah. wayside, the vast majority. Patrick Craig was there, He's, he played, he had his career in Scotland, came back to Ireland. So we lived together, we were kind of, uh, so we're still best friends. Um, yeah, like Stokesy then came, Anthony Stokes came a, a year or two later, he was younger again. Nicholas Bentner was there a bit younger, but when they're good lads come in, you know, they play a year or two above, yeah. so you would have, they were all You went up playing against Bentner then years later. Played him, yeah, against Rosenberg, yeah. yeah. I didn't play the first leg and the, the second leg. Uh, I was injured and then I came on the second leg and uh, I hadn't sort of been in, you know, contact with him or like near him on the pitch or that. And then we were walking out, uh, we were, he spotted me walking out and he got a bit of a lad. 
So he said, I haven't seen that ugly mug in around 15 years. <laughs> so uh, it's just funny the way it happened. I think everyone knows the, the fall-off rate in professional football and particularly for Irish players, but also particularly, I think, for players from the west of Ireland. Like We've seen now that Ryan Manning has come through and mm. Greg Cunningham's having a very has done very well over there. Rory Gaffney's done all right. Time. But Aaron Connolly, like, we can all name, like again, 20, 25 lads who were unbelievably talented who went over. And like it's probably a maturity thing for all of them. It, it just feels, how can you be mature enough to go from a west of Ireland football setting mm. to playing football for Arsenal? In London, I think, do you think it's impossible? No, I think players now have a lot more information. Even younger players, I think there's more kind of pathways here in Ireland. It's more professional here, school by football in Ireland, and that. And I think to do, they have a better grasp of it all now at 15, 15 or sixteen. You know, when they're going over, I think than than we had. Um, but you know, it's still it's still a huge huge culture shock. You know, even living in London compared to Galway, it's massive culture you shock. In digs, in digs, yeah, with a family, yeah, so. You know, it was like one big adventure, I suppose, but it still is still like it's a very, it's very, it's asking a lot of a of a young person, a fifteen year old, uh, to be going over. You know, but that has to change. As I said, though, sometimes it? it's sometimes it's a making of young people to get away from maybe home circumstances in Ireland. That home life mightn't be the best, and to go into a professional environment and, you know, they really sort of grasp it and it's the making of them. I so mean, It's often the players as well that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Like, the really talented ones often fall by the wayside, but, like, we'll say even Matt Doherty wouldn't have necessarily been expected to go on anywhere near as much as he is. Mm. Stephen Ward was a decent League of Ireland mm. player, had a great career, has had a great career. And I don't know, is it a bit of luck? Uh, I guess two lads uh, went over a bit older as well. Yeah, but even the younger kids, like, we all know the stars, like, but most of them don't make it. And I'd say a lot of it is that managers might come and go straight away, then you're suddenly out of favour. And I'd imagine you're just... I'd say it's very easy to be homesick as well. In yeah, the, f- the margins are tiny as mm. well, you know. There's fine margins. As you said, you could be in the right place at the right time, get a little bit of luck. Um, but like Matt Doherty was even Matt Doherty was spotted by McCarthy when he was looking yeah. at someone else or whatever. Yeah. Well, Wolves were, Wolves played both in the preseason, like. yeah. But it's it's the boys that stick at, as I said, have the mental fortitude, like to stick at it and have the maturity of looking at the bigger picture, and keep tipping away and improving themselves, mm. you know. And plus, I think if you looked at the Ireland squad, um, a lot of them that that did like a lot of them played League of Ireland. You know, it's it's a huge difference because. You'd sign a 15-year-old and he could be a totally different specimen come 1920, like physically, when it's time to, that's when you want them for the first team. You know, I could be a tall, skinny 15-year-old and then turn out to be a small, stumpy 1920-year-old. Yeah, you, know, you, when it, you know, so it's just a gamble and the clubs, it's worth the gamble for the clubs. Because like, it costs so little. Yeah, but the human side of it for, for a player who's left his educator, for a young kid who's left his education and that, and, you know, it's it's a it's a massive gamble. In fifteen year. You left after your junior cert, did yeah, you? Yeah, I left after my junior. Now my parents wanted me to do my leaving, but you, you see, know, Gavin Bazuna Arsenal are coming in trying to sign you. Exactly. You see, exactly. Gavin Bazuna now that he can complete his leaving cert and then go to Man City in one of the biggest, highest profile move ever for a prim- for League of Ireland player. Yeah. No, w- I think John O'Shea had a whole host. Uh, nearly all of Britain wanted to sign John. He yeah. was he was strong enough to say, "I'm doing my leaving." You know. You mentioned Ireland there. You have to have a regret that you didn't get that chance because, like, you're you were more than good enough to at least get an Irish cap. And I can no, I, I don't agree. Above all yeah, the midfielders yeah, we've had, you end up where you you end up. You are what you are. You yeah, know, but it's it's you, you. You were more than good enough to play for Ireland. I mean, I can't say. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't be able to say that. So even the League of Ireland players who've gone on to play for Ireland, you were inferior to them, or you weren't good enough to at least get a cap. Uh, 
I so you, you play in Europe against Batty, you play against Belgrade, you play against Legia, you play against Zenit, and you're nowhere near out of your depth, yet you couldn't be good enough to get a cap for Ireland. Yeah, but it, there's one thing of getting a cap, but there's another thing of like making a difference. You know what I mean? In the sense why, of... Why would you not make a difference, though? I, I do, all right, but it's, it's all kind of hearsay. I didn't do enough to get a cap, do you know what I mean? I had my chance when, when I went over as a kid and when I was, yeah, you know, 16 so. or whatever. I know, but so are a majority of the, like, of the players that are playing for Ireland now, they've gone and they've mm. gone and done it, do you know what I mean? It's totally different. Most of them are playing Premiership. You were probably playing your best football when you were getting on a bit. Yeah, well. exactly. And, and you were professional under Dundalk in your late 20s. Yeah. But like when you look at the midfielders, the problem we've had in midfield since Roy Keane, mm. there's nothing to say he wasn't good enough to at least get a, a look in the squad in my view. Well, on that then, so your skill set and like, people compare you to Johnny Giles and that, that passing Jeepers, ab- know, ab- ability, but that, sty- that style of player, well, your I ability... A, I wouldn't be a flamboy. I wouldn't be Johnny... I saw highlights of Johnny Giles and he... He could sling a ball with his left and right foot 40, 50 yards on the pitch. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have that. I was more of a, what I'd call a, a continuity player. I'd, I'd be comfortable on the ball, be able to receive it, always sort of make angles and feed then the more attacking lads. But I wouldn't be a big sort of gunslinger slinging it around the pitch, you know. I wouldn't have probably. But, but over those years then, say from when you left Arsenal and I think where you went to Falkirk, then you came back to Ireland for mm. a few years, went through a few different clubs, mm. went to Bulls, went to Galway, Shamrock Rovers, had the cup run. Mm. And then you end up with Stephen Kenny. Was it not until you met Stephen Kenny that you found a manager who appreciated your skill set? No, I had other managers as well. Uh, I had a good time with Pat Fenlon. We won the double and that uh, when I first came back to Ireland. But um, and Michael O'Neill at Rovers. But it was just a case of me. I wasn't in. I probably always thought I was in good condition. And then looking back at pictures now of when I like I say, oh my God, like you're miles away from it. You know, I could, um, it was just... And why were you miles away from it? Were you just not it seriously? I just was being lazy and like... But it wasn't the culture either, the strength condition just wasn't the culture from what you were Yeah, but like. there was other lads in better shape than me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just... I just wasn't dedicating my life to it. I said went to Dundalk. I had no offers. Uh, I was basically just going to quit playing soccer and... Um, they were a mess. They were a mess. So Stephen took over with a blank canvas and he... Um, he rang me and um, I remember I had a moment there when you were talking about it in a car. I was after getting FOSS paper forms. So I was after going into Goa to get FOSS forms and just sign up and try and go on. I think like it's just kind of a job seeker. Like And uh, I had a call off Stephen Kenny and then I remember sitting down after the call in the car as well and um, thinking, right, if you're going to do this, like you're going to give it. Because you're obviously nowhere near as good as you think you are because you haven't had one phone call. So... Off any other manager. That was injuries, though. It had to be because you'd broken your leg of cork, hadn't you? Yeah, well, I'd done a damage with Cruciate of cork, but this was after leaving Rovers. Mm. And um, so I pretty much said to myself then, right, try and get yourself in good condition. And because um, my brother always used to say, you're not fit enough. And I, he was the older brother, and I say, I am fit enough. And That's astonishing in hindsight, mm. Nathan, though, because this is after the, the performance in Belgrade, remember, where he cleared a ball off a line, more or less, with a last ditch tackle, scored the penalty. Rovers got into Europe. Uh, obviously part of a very good team and I know Johnny Glynn was trying to get you to Merview and Merview, that was the only other offer and, and Johnny and, Glynn uh, brought like Patrick Hoban and Gaffney and um, the Mayo keeper John Mountney John Mountney and the young Mayo keeper is now in England at O'Malley, O'Malley Manny, yeah. and he could have brought Stephen O'Donnell you've got to give him a lot of credit it just amazes me that managers weren't uh, it doesn't amaze me 
I, don't, I just can't see yeah. it. You, you, even uh, throughout all your League of Ireland career, you'd be one of the dominant midfielders without a shadow of a doubt. Even before Dundalk. Yeah, well, particularly uh, under Finn and uh, uh, But those managers at those clubs have been at you about your fitness. Yeah, I remember going to Michael O'Neill. Um, I went to Michael O'Neill one time and uh, he, uh, I said, why am I playing or whatever? And he goes, uh, I haven't got any issue with your ability. It's this I've got an issue with. And he pinched my, st <laughs> he p he pinched my stomach. And then that was basically the end of the conversation. Wow. How did you react? I just took it, but uh, like, yeah, but that shows you. No, it was never. Like, did you take it? I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm getting no, in the gym or no, just screw like, him? Yeah, kind of. That would have been my mentality. Like, I'm fit enough, but... Uh, and then I had a bit of a chat to me. I just got... I just smelt the coffee beans and, like, had a chat with myself and said, you're obviously not. And then I got myself in shape and... Uh, like everyone, we had a great culture then when Dundalk, we came second the first year, people kind of forget, which was an unbelievable achievement considering Stephen just signed the whole sort of squad mm. that weren't wanted by anyone else because no one was going up there to get rich. It was just basically sort of castaways and we came second the first year and then the rest is sort of history. Where did that culture come from then? Because so you get into the best shape of your life and even up until the recent signings, like he's taken, I don't want to say, a lot of rogues, but he's he's a brought lot of journeymen at that time. Like there were journeymen. a lot of journeymen, yeah. but even someone like Patrick McElhenney. I remember when he signed, and I might even been chatting to you about it. And you you were kind of you know he had the, everyone knew he had the talent, but there were questions again, probably about his fitness, his mm. mentality. That I, I remember you saying that you felt once he got into the Dundalk crew, actually it was a sort of no excuses culture there. Yeah. That if he bought into the gym ethic, that everything they'd get him on the right track, and and it's sort of proven to be the case. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, it just sort of happened. Everything he signed everyone that kind of had a point to prove, and um, he sort of drilled that home that no uh, drill like that no one wanted you kind of a bit, and uh, everyone kind of had a chip on their shoulder. And um, you know, uh, I think I remember Richie Towle came in pre-season in great condition, and uh, we done a bleep test or whatever, and he sort of. He sort of blew the whole thing up and then I don't think anyone kind of then wanted to be left behind and we had good young, they were all young, most of, most of them were young mm. and uh, that's where Stephen, Stephen's brilliant with, with the young players and that and it kind of just built from there and we got an advantage, we could see that we could sort of get an advantage with strength and conditioning wise. Uh, because no one was taking. You were the forerunners yeah. of that, and I don't know if you got it. Apart from Gaelic games, had become very much down that road at that stage. Look at the horrors now compared oh, to yeah. ten years ago. But Dundalk were one hundred percent the first in Ireland, and all of a sudden other clubs were just they looked like men against boys. Yeah, that's the way it was. And in Europe as well, like even in Europe, you were. Well, yeah, we could stay going ninety minutes, no problem. Usually, when you'd see an Irish team in Europe, the last twenty twenty five was just set up camp on the edge of the eighteen yard box, you know. Because do you remember Kilduff's goal in 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 Holland? Like he was marking a six foot. Seven striker, like, yeah. and he out muscled him. Yeah. And this is in the injury time or the 88 minute or whatever. And I was We're like, that is that is insane. Yeah, uh, but we could see we got yeah. an advantage. <laughs> we didn't, we wouldn't <laughs> mention that. What happened there? Uh, Russia blood. Uh, but we did get an advantage, as you said, and it was clear for everyone to see. And then you'd be talking to players, opposition players, and some of them would be geez, saying, geez, so, the size of some of your lads and that sort of stuff. and you know when you're lining up against a team in a tunnel and and they're looking over and saying these lads are are animals or whatever mm. you know has a big advantage now other teams are catching up now you know it's got mm. far more professional but no one was taking it see like the the GEA players would have lost and found us the League of Ireland players uh, six seven years mm. ago whereas now you'd like to think uh, you know looking at yeah. our lads doing pre-season there today that um, 
you know, you, you can see you can see twenty athletes out there where it wouldn't have been like that before. Yeah, that's interesting. The the style of football then with Dundalk, like for a good chunk of the last five six years, very attractive, very good to watch. Always quite attacking. Always very much on the front foot. It seems as though that's very much Stephen Kenny's philosophy. Your relationship with him over the last five six years, how, how important a figure has he been to you becoming? I think probably most people would say the league's best midfielder of the last half decade. Yeah, um, me and Stephen, like, great relationship. Uh, like, it wouldn't have been, um, how would you put it, you know, like, we'd have our differences as well, but it would be sort of respect, like, respectfully, mm. so, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd voice my opinion in obviously respectful manner and, like, we'd, be, we'd have a constructive conversation or whatever, so it was great, but um, he, uh, like, Stephen, Steve would never send a team out to play for a draw. He'd never send a team spend uh, send a team out just to sit in, you know, and catch people. And he always believed, he always gave us belief to believe in ourselves and have a go at it. No matter who we played, every Euro- European game we played, he, um, you know, we were there to win and we were there to express ourselves. And he'd fill the team with confidence. And you know, a lot of managers do that during the week, and you do your possession games and that in training and all that passing, great. But then. The first time maybe it breaks down in the game and you know it's launch it down the channel mm. launch it forward but he always he was very brave like that he always stuck to his beliefs and um would never criticize an, an ex, a player trying to express himself if he gave the ball away which you know attacking players are going to do they're going to get you know not everything's going to work but he'd never he'd never change tack or that it would always be or like go again next time and you'd have your attacking players going out with their chest puffed out, you know, and when attacking players and that, when everyone's playing with confidence, confidence is the biggest thing in football. When, when, when you have it, you can look a really good player, and when you don't, you can look very, very average. So he just had players playing with confidence, and I suppose no fear, and just enjoying the big okay, enjoying the occasions rather than going out sort of with a bit of trepidation. I, I remember on that in, in Warsaw when they lost 2-0 in the first leg. This was to get to the Champions mm. League proper and they were so tantalisingly close. But I think the first leg, the Dundalk players went to the Aviva Stadium that night and it was like 30-odd thousand at the game and it was a big, big <laughs> occasion for, for a League of Ireland player. And you could kind of sense that they were a little bit nervous. And in fairness to Stephen, I think he took the game, the bull by the horns, and he got the ball and he made them feel that they were at home at that level. But when they lost that game 2-0, I went over to uh, Warsaw, obviously expecting this could be an absolute hockey. In. And the day before, Stephen Kenny was in—he brought all the Irish journalists to a press conference, and he said, "Yeah, we're going to go for this because we kind of have to, and we're going to play this and that." And um, I was like, I was looking at other, this could be, and I remember saying to Daniel McDonald's like, "This could be an absolute mm. like tanking." They lost one nil, and with twenty minutes to go, they had eleven men against ten. And we won one nil. Yeah, sorry, one one nil, and with, with, with twenty twenty minutes to go, they had an extra man, and it was that close. So if they get to extra time, they've yeah. a man over, and they didn't quite have the squad depth at that time. And but that late goal at home and the Aviva, yeah, yeah. And, and a penalty that shouldn't have been. But mm. Kenny Kenny's belief absolutely astounded me at that time. So obviously, when he got the new gig, and even around the time of whether it was going to be Mick McCarthy or Stephen Kenny, a lot of the debate was that. Mick McCarthy would get the instant respect of the players because of what he's achieved throughout English football. And maybe it may take Stephen Kenny more time. Now that he has this and he has it in 2020, maybe it's impossible to know. What is it about him, you think, that, and, and I presume you hope and expect it will be a success for him with Ireland, but he's going into a dressing room with a lot of players who won't have heard of him, who, who won't fully understand his achievements. How does he go about getting the trust of those players? Uh, I suppose it's, it's like Anathan, um 
you, you, you sort of earn the respect by when you come in and you show your knowledge or whatever. And he, he's, he's a great man manager, you know, and you got to remember there's the, the biggest characters probably in that squad are kind of ex-League of Ireland players. You have the captain, Shamey Coleman, and James McLean's obviously a big personality in that squad and that's so... Um, they he'll have their instant respect, and I'd, I I assume that would go a long way towards mm. the rest of the squad. But as I said, he, he makes players believe. You know, he builds them up with confidence, and um, I can assure you, if he's when he's manager of Ireland, Ireland will be going out to win games and with full belief in themselves to go and beat it, no matter who any other nation, no matter who, no matter who they're up against. You know, which is probably something. We haven't had. We haven't had, maybe. Probably. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, what's next? You're going to stick with Dundalk? Yeah, stay, sort of. I uh, have joining the Dundalks, the sort of coaching staff and that. And um, and is that a full-time position? Yeah. So That's brilliant in itself. That So, your, your job is as a way scout? Yeah, opposition kind of analysis. So, um, whoever, suppose Dundalk, whoever we're playing next week, I'll be at their game you know the week before and um sort of hel helping out in the recruitment side of things as well and you know whatever the coaching side of it uh whatever that whatever dynamic's the, going to be interesting whatever they need me to whatever they need me to do on that front so um you know really look really looking forward to it and uh i'm i'm excited now i'm most excited I've been in a while i think that that dynamic will be interesting that you'll be kind of encouraging them about a certain player or you think he's might be worth looking yeah at. obviously i'm not and you've any part coming in who's like so new to his role as well yeah i'm not going to be like it's it's going to be a team effort i suppose i'm going to be looking at players and then maybe recommended players or whatever and players uh, being sent to me to have a look at and then I'll give my opinion and then the, obviously the rest of the coaching staff, John Gill, uh, mm. Rory Higgins and eventually Vinnie Perth, who, like they'll, they'll, they'll have the final say, you know. How do you think Vinnie will get on? I think he'll do well. Um, you know, he's, he's his boss. He's yeah, he can say he won't do well, but no matter what, like it is, he is taking over from Stephen Kenny and it's like kind of Alex Ferguson, it's not easy. Yeah, he's the it. full respect of the players and... Um, as well, uh, in the sense, it's a great dressing room in the sense that it, we've just touched on it, it will drive itself, you know, like all good dressing rooms do. Uh, I'm sure, say, the Dublin the Dublin, um, the Dublin, Dublin Gaelic football team, I'm sure Jim Cavan kind of just has to oversee it. I'm sure I'm sure there's the players inside the dressing room, kind of, it runs its own ship and um, Vinny will be overseeing the dressing room. But as I said, he has the full respect of the players. Um, you know he's very enthusiastic. Great opportunity from, and uh, you know I'm sure he'll do. I'm sure we'll all do well. We're all kind of new to our roles, but mm. it's, it's exciting times, and uh, you know um, it's a big opportunity, big big opportunity for us all. Even the language must be hard there, where you're like, oh, hang on, I'm I'm not actually in the dress. I'm I'm coaching now. I'm not part of that dress room. It's like you you have to think. Have you had to leave the yeah. the players WhatsApp group? Uh, yeah, I'll have to leave that. Yeah, um, so. Ah yeah, no, like it's, my relationship will will still be pretty. Um, I'll obviously have, I, I don't see my relationship changing much with the players in the sense, you know, it, it's it'll stay the same in that in that regard, and uh, you know it'll be interesting, something that we're we're all looking forward to. And as I said, um, I really can't wait to get going during the last week or so in pre in pre season. So. Um, you know, it's. I think it's been a great few days. They've had a great few days, and the players are looking enthusiastic and raring to go. And it's a good opportunity to, for them as well to to show what they can do as well. So, um, you know, it's all systems going. Really looking forward to it. Good stuff. You sound pretty content with your decision, anyways. Yeah, happy.
Good man. Thanks a lot for coming in. Best of luck with everything. Lovely. Thank you. All right, quick break.